You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. there like haunted houses you do i do not like haunted houses let me tell you why it was the fall of 1978 the fall of my senior year in high school and i grew up in jonesboro and right at the corner of maine and elton still stands a red brick house it's now occupied i think by human beings back then it was a little fundraiser haunted house and uh i'm not a big guy now and uh, was not a big guy in high school. It was one of the smallest ones in my class. And somehow the football team uh, were helping uh, run the haunted house. So went in in this dark, dark place, knowing that football players, which they did, would grab you, shove you, kick you. They, of course, um, knew me well. They were always jealous because I'd steal their girlfriends and stuff. But uh, so there was a little bit of fear. It was dark. And then all of a sudden there'd be strobe lights and you know, it's just a kind of a crazy, fun thing until the unimaginable happened. Something totally unexpected. I'm really walking first floor, second floor, strobe lights, you know, it's like disoriented. People grabbing me, yelling, there's noises. But then the noise of all noises, literally, wham, blah, 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 a chainsaw started. And next thing I feel in my back, someone grabs me. And this thing, you can imagine this empty house, how loud that chainsaw. It was a, not a toy chainsaw, a real chainsaw. Now, of course, it didn't have the, the blades on it. But you're talking about scared in the middle of the dark, in the middle of being shocked with these strobe lights, in the middle of just being totally confused, not knowing what was in the next room. This chainsaw went off. And I, it's the one thing I'd never expected. I've never been in another one since. And I've, yes, do your math, 42 years ago. Which means, yes, I'm very old, and yes, they had haunted houses back then. And literally when I found out that, hey, Jared, wherever you are, uh, sorry you're sick, brother, uh, but I'm glad to be here. Literally, uh, this image of me, God brought me back to this haunted house, and it didn't even dawn on me till like the next day that we're in the middle of a series called Ghost Stories about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But it's like 2020 is like that haunted house. I mean, it's dark. You get these flashes of light, but they sometimes disorient more than they help you. And then the unexpected happens over and over again. And so we're just, just uh, the unpredictable. I mean, a worldwide pandemic. I mean, the craziness with the election, the forest fires, the hurricanes breaking records, making landfall in New Orleans. We go on and on and on. You know the news as well as I do. And that's just so unpredictable. No one, none of us in here predicted all that we'd be facing here on November 1st, 2020. And the thing is, when the totally unpredictable happens, me and you, we do not stay the same. We're changed. We don't stay the same. When you get into trials, you get into hard times, you know, those things get better and better. But in this 2020, you're not the same person. Your relationship with God is not identical to what it was on January 1st, 2020. It's just not. Now, some of you through the hard times 
have met God in intimate and profound ways, and you would say, I'm experiencing a fresh faith. Others of you are not. You're kind of floundering in your faith. You're not the same. So just think, which am I? And some days it may go from day to day. I get that. That's me. But you may have pockets of this fresh faith. And you may have these pockets of your life with this faltering, floundering faith. Or it may be you have some of each. But I really, really, really believe that God just wants to meet you there today. I think He really wants to meet those of you. By His grace, have given you a fresh faith. I mean, you're here. You're seeking God. You have this fresh faith. And uh, and I really sense for you, God wants to do more. I think He wants to take the fire of that fresh faith, which you cannot take credit for. It's all of His grace. But He wants to, like, pour gas on that fire and give you more fire, more faith, more clarity, more ministry, more of His presence, more of His felt love, more so to the extent you're experiencing fresh faith, I, faith, I just need to learn to talk, don't I? I do sense God wants to give you more to pour gas on that fire. And for those with faltering faith, I really sense God has already knelt down and he sees these glowing embers. Your fire hadn't gone out. But he's kneeling down and he's going, and he's just gently, calmly, intentionally, patiently, minute by minute, he's breathing the breath of the Spirit of God on you. He's not pouring gas. He's just breathing on you. And then all of a sudden there's a flame, and then he can add some timber. So I really sense that God is so near to those of you that it really sense your faith is floundering as well. Well, I have good news, and that is we have a Bible to give us this kind of faith. Turn to Psalm 126. I have good news because in this section of our Bible called Psalms, God has gifted us with this piece of holy literature. And one of the main purposes of the books of Psalms is to help give you a voice of faith when you've lost your own faith. You can turn to the book of Psalms and read these prayers, read these petitions, and you can watch your faith grow. Psalms give you a voice of faith when we've lost our own faith. It's like a thirsty man or woman in the desert, and they find a pool of water. And if you can just crawl there, you can be refreshed. And that's what I think God wants to do this morning as we talk about the Holy Spirit of God who who is either going to pour Just fire on your already fresh faith or pour and blow his breath upon the embers of your faltering faith just to build you up. So we're just going to talk about this message today from Psalm 126. And I really, really think it's going to help us. So what I'm going to do through this six-verse psalm is to show you three faith moves that the people of God who are on this pilgrimage. This is a psalm of ascent. This is a psalm where the people of God would go up to Jerusalem annually because they were seeking God. And you're here, and if you're here to seek God today, He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So I just want to show you three faith moves to kindle fresh faith today. Let's go to that God. Father, 
we just offer everyone and everything to you. For those with fresh faith, oh God, you're so gracious to have met them in a tough season and kindled a blazing fire of faith. Pour gas on that fire. Give them more of yourself, more clarity. And for those who are faltering and floundering, God, help them to sense your gentle nearness blowing on the embers of their soul to bring life, renewing, revival, and refreshment in their soul. Only you can do that, Father. And you are so, so good, and you want to do that. May we surrender to your good purpose for us today. Will faith move one in verses Psalm 126, verses 1 to 3, faith move one is that we're going to pause and look back. We're going to pause and look back because that's what verses 1 to 3 are. Psalm 126, hear the word of the Lord. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. These first three verses are a look back. You see the past tense. This is something God had done in the past when God had, verse 1, restored the fortunes of Zion. You, he look, we look back. And why do we look back? Why does the first faith move? Is to pause and look back. It's because when we look back, what we will find every single time is that God... The God of our Bible, our Savior, has a perfect track record in running the entire universe. He's on the throne. He's in control. And not only that, as we look back, we will also discover that He has a perfect track record in your life, in your story. Hebrews tells us that He is the author and perfecter of your faith. He does not make mistakes, and He's not made a mistake in world history, and He's not made a mistake in your story. I know we doubt that a lot. I do. But as we look back, we can be reminded that that's not the case. And the problem is, the enemy of that good news is, is that we're prone to being anxious people. And the problem with anxiety is, anxiety does not want you to look back at God's perfect track record. What anxiety does is try to, is tries to drag your soul to an imagined future of failure and shame that hadn't even happened yet. I mean, what are you scared about? Got an election this week. There's all kind of fear-mongering going on, and it may come true. I don't know. You don't know. But if you're anxious about that, it's an imagined day of failure and shame that hadn't even happened yet. And so anxiety says, don't look back at the past faithfulness of God. Look ahead and just worry, because who knows what's going to happen. And so we, as the people of God must pause and look back because God's track record of past faithfulness fuels fresh faith. That's why we read our Bible largely, is to look back and be reminded and have fresh faith on the perfect track record of God running His universe and running our life. Look more specifically in the text. There's a phrase that needs explaining in verse 1. 
It says, when the Lord, when Yahweh, when God's people's God restored the fortunes of Zion. Now, that word restored the fortunes of Zion is a real beautiful technical term. It's not talking about necessarily putting money in your bank account. We have fortunes beyond money. Technically, what this means, this phrase is to restore the fortunes is a complete reversal of fortune, a complete reversal of circumstances on planet Earth and in the lives of the people of God that can only be worked by the power of God. So this restoring the fortunes is a complete reversal of circumstances that can only be worked by the power of God. And these people uh, in this psalm were saying the Lord at one point in our history restored our fortunes. He totally changed the circumstances. And it made us very happy. It's like our dreams are coming too, is what it says there in verse 1. Now, this psalm doesn't tell us the occasion for what they look back. This is a generic psalm that can be used. And so they just were recounting as they were pilgriming up to uh, Jerusalem, this song of ascents. They were just recounting who knows what of the past faithfulness of God. Perhaps it was the crossing of the Red Sea. Perhaps the people of God in the... You know, giving manna in the desert and protecting them. And as it goes on and on, you can just read your Old Testament history. And they were reflecting on God's past faithfulness to fuel this fresh faith as they were climbing this mountain to go seek God and be in His presence. And look at verse 2. Anytime God acts in history, anytime He brings this great reversal of fortunes, we already saw at the end of verse 1, it's like our dreams are coming true. But look at the fruit of God's past track record of faithfulness. Not only dreams coming true, but in verse 2, their mouth was filled with laughter, their tongue with shouts of joy. You see miraculous witness among the nations that whatever God did was so great, so good, so tasty, that the nation said, man, the Lord has done great things for God, for, for His people. Isn't that crazy? The nations paid attention. The neighbors paid attention. The Lord has done great things for them. That's our God. And then the people of God in verse 3 agree. They say, yes, the Lord did do great things for us. And we are glad. So anytime God sweeps into your heart, your house, your home, your work, and does a great work, it's always in the aftermath. It's this great fruit. It's the longings of our heart. It's like, man, our dreams have come true. These holy desires He put in me, I'm seeing fulfilled. There's shouts of joy, there's laughter, and there's witness exploding all the way around. And I believe that you're here today to hear this. The Holy Spirit is so impressive. He's so good. He loves you. He can do that in your heart and soul today. The Holy Spirit can do this for you today. He can help you pause and look back and fuel this fresh faith. The Holy Spirit is an excellent historian of all the works of God the Father and God the Son. And He, Jesus told us, is a great, has a great ministry to remind you of all that the Father and Jesus has done. We can just pause and look back. Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit was there. I love this picture of the Holy Spirit because it says He was hovering over the chaos. And what does He do? What's the Holy Spirit's track record with chaos? He brings it into order. And blessing and fruitfulness. And the Holy Spirit can take your life, your chaos, and bring order and blessing and peace. So you can say, man, my dreams are coming true. My mouth is shouting with joy. And witness is happening because God's doing more for me than I could ever do for myself. And so the Holy Spirit 
in the Old Testament was doing that and descending on the people of God. And all of a sudden, I'm not going to sit here today and go over the whole track record of all the Holy Spirit did. But just one other biggie is that he indwelt the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And everything Jesus did, the Scripture says he did by the power of God. And we've been looking at that in the series and we'll continue because the Holy Spirit is impressive. This Holy Spirit inside of Jesus reversed the circumstances. He reversed the fortunes of those present with Jesus the same way he did with the Israelites in Psalm 126, 1 to 3. You know, he reversed the fortunes of the lonely, of the outcast, of the blind, of the deaf, of the hurting, of even the dead. That's our God. You're talking about reversing fortunes. Can you imagine, oh, Lazarus? Whoa. Unbelievable when we begin to stop and pause and turn off the noise and look back at the past faithful, perfect track record of God intervening from heaven into everyday affairs of the people of God's lives to fuel fresh faith. And this morning we can also not only just pause and look back at God's perfect track record in history, But if you can see reality, you can pause and look back how perfectly faithful God's been with you in your story. Friends, he has never made a mistake. Life is hard. We've all been hurt. We've all hurt others. It is gut-wrenching. It is unpredictable. That chainsaw has come out in our soul and is noisy and confusing and hurtful and painful. But God has a perfect authoring and perfecting of your story and your life. So just think back, if you're a follower of Jesus, to your conversion. What a track record. The Holy Spirit was involved that day. The Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin, that you were separated from God. The Holy Spirit was gentle, but He showed you the truth. And we need to know the truth because sin deceives and the Holy Spirit illumines. The Holy Spirit tells the truth so that you can get help. And so look back and the, how the Holy Spirit just convicted you of your sin. And He not only just showed you how that you were an object of wrath desperately in need of Jesus. He so graciously then, you know what He did next? He showed you the face of Jesus and the personal work of Jesus and the perfect life of Jesus and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the love of the Father to send Jesus for you so that you could just repent and give up and say, I surrender. I trust you. I'm going to quit following my way and I'm going to go your way. The Holy Spirit does that for you and shows you Jesus. And when you were felt guilty... He showed you the face of Jesus and it wasn't a frown, it was a smile. He says, come to me and I will forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll bring you into the family. I'll adopt you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll give you a purpose. I've planned good works for you to walk in. And so all your needs were met in that moment We all just need a place to belong. And he gave you the family of God. And we all need a purpose. And you get to be on the mission of God. Every follower of Jesus Christ. That's the track record. The Holy Spirit in your life. Your dreams came true. Your heart grew light. And you were filled then with the Spirit of God. And you received the promise. That he will never leave you. 
He will never forsake you. Past recollection on the works of God fuel fresh faith. That's what happened to me. As a 29-year-old, November of 90, I was very religious at times. I was very rebellious at times. But I just gave up and said, Jesus, I don't know what this means. But I've been running my life. I've been ruining my life. I just surrendered to your goodwill. I just surrendered to your goodness and grace and forgiveness. Such grace. Such grace. So I have a question. Do you desire this morning the God of Psalm 126 to do what he did for the people of God? To make the dreams and desires your heart come true? To fill your mouth with laughter even in the chaotic season of 2020? Do you want shouts of joy? Do you want him to do something in your life that can only be explained to him that you're that there's a witness about it and people go, man, what a God you have. You don't deserve that. And you can go, oh, I know. I know I don't deserve that. He's a great God. Well, perhaps you just need to pay attention. If you want him to do that, just ask him to do that. So an application for this first point, this first faith move to pause and look back is to this week on your calendar, pause and look back. Give him 10 minutes a day. Give him an hour. Pause and look back. Look back at Scripture for his eternal story or just look back in your story and just begin to understand that he has a perfect track record in your life. Friends, if you steward just a little bit of time to the Holy Spirit and say, remind me of your past faithfulness, he's so impressive to steward that time well. Give him some space this week so you can pause and look back and have fresh Faith fueled. Well, if you do that, and for those of you that already have fresh faith, what else do we do? This people of God in verse 4 are going to show us that the second faith move is to pray and look up. So with fresh faith, we pray even bigger prayers and we pray even more. That's what the people of God do with fresh faith. And that's what you see. Now the psalm moves from this generic past recalling of the perfect intervention track record of God for the people of God. He then goes to verse 4. And as they're marching up this hill to go seek God in Jerusalem, they say, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. They're saying, what you did for them, do for us. Do it for me. Do it not just in past history. Do it in present history. That prayer is a prayer for revival. It's a prayer that says, do it again, Lord. You've done it once. Do it again. If you can do it once, you haven't changed. Do it again. Pour your spirit out on us. Pour out revival. Now, the picture painted in verse 4 is really miraculous. Because I've never been to the Negev. I don't know if you have. But the Negev is this dry, barren wilderness. Not like the pictures we see a lot in, in uh, our country of flat deserts. These were excuse me, mountains and caverns and deep valleys. But it was still desert. It was dry and barren. And it had one color. And what was that color? Brown. Right? It, was, it looked dead. It's a desert. And history tells us that uh, it rained on average once a year. But as the saying goes, when it rained, it poured. And so they knew from history, this physical picture, that once a year on average, God would open the heavens and pour out all of a sudden these rains. And this desert would be like almost instantaneously revived and refreshed and come alive. 
There were trees with no leaves, but their roots were there. Their roots were deep. There was all kind of flowering and flourishing after this rain came. And it was famous in those parts. Everyone knew about God's pouring out rain on the Negev. And the people of God are using that picture. They're saying, God, we know sometimes you work slow and steady. But God, sometimes you work really fast. You work really all of a sudden. And we're begging you, God. God, restore our fortunes. Reverse our circumstances. Do something for us we cannot do for ourselves. They were praying a huge prayer. So that begs the question. Are you currently a prayer of great, big, huge, God-sized prayers? That's what you do with fresh faith. You say, more, do it again. If you don't regularly pray huge prayers, maybe you should ask yourself whether you're maybe a little cynical. That maybe you think, well... Either God will not or God cannot do what he's done in the past here in Arkansas in 2020. If you're cynical, let me just ask you a few questions. I've jotted down, hopefully, in no way to shame you, but to fuel fresh faith. Did you know that when I say the word revival, like this is a revival prayer in verse 4, I'm not talking and asking God to pitch a, pitch a bunch of tents on street corners through Arkansas and put a bunch of people behind a microphone yelling and screaming. That's not, you don't plan for revival in that way, those revival meetings. What we're talking about is begging God to do something we cannot do, that we cannot organize, to do this all of a sudden like miraculous rain from heaven, send down an all of a sudden work of God. And without going to a... Just a formal definition of revival, just so we're clear. And there's a great sermon that Jared and Adam did several months ago. You can go back and listen to it. It was excellent. And, uh, but something that helps me get my hands around and longs for revival and pray for revival is that one quick definition is that revival is simply the sevenfold magnification of the ordinary works of the Holy Spirit. The sevenfold magnification is like everything the Holy Spirit's doing on planet Earth, God pushes fast forward instead of play. And all of a sudden, you have the fast-forward ministry of the Holy Spirit just showing how beautiful God is and pouring out the love of God on the people of God in the city. The, and you really do experience the sevenfold convictions like, oh my gosh, there's this holiness of God that you see, like Isaiah 6, and you fall on your face perhaps, but God picks you up and says, yes, but I'm the forgiver of sin. And so you got this sevenfold conviction, the sevenfold uh, confession and sorrow for your sin, but you also have the sevenfold just forgiveness of sin, the sevenfold cleansing, the sevenfold infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the sevenfold peace, and the sevenfold love, and the sevenfold joy. All the spirits that Adam just preached about sevenfold and sevenfold just illumination of Scripture. Every time you read it, and a sevenfold empowering for witness in your daily life. That's revival. God saying, "Now, fast forward, not tense." <laughs> sevenfold magnification of the Holy Spirit. And you know God of the Bible, or did you know? He's revival sending God. In Acts 2, when Pentecost came, that's revival. And it says, when they're praying, all of a sudden, the Spirit showed up. And 3,000 people got saved. 
In Acts 10, the Gentile Pentecost, it said this, the Holy Spirit, like we picture this rain in the Negev, now it's the Holy Spirit being the rain. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard Peter speaking, and the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. There are these occasions where God pushes fast forward, the heavens open, and he goes, now. And our prayer is to do what? Do it again, Lord. That's our prayer. And did you know, not just in the Bible, but in world history, and not just in world history, but American history, God has done this in the United States of America. This isn't the only time, but one famous time. It's called the Great Awakening in the 1700s. Listen to what people, like this would have been the newspaper in uh, the early 1740s. Through men like Edwards and Wesley and Whitfield as they were preaching. It says, spiritual fervor was spreading like wildfire. We, I want that spiritual fervor. Like wildfire, it was spreading through our country. It seemed like every local ministry and every local village were developing tide pools of spiritual interest, reinforced and augmented by news of spiritual activity elsewhere. Jesus became famous on the streets of the United States of America then. And we say here, do it again, Lord. Do it for us. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. And did you know that the people of God are encouraged all through Scripture to pray these big, huge prayer for revival? My favorite one is Psalm 85, 6, which I think is going to be on the screen. I don't know if I can see a screen. But Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? That to me is just like another way of saying exactly what Psalm 126, 4 is saying. Will you not revive us again? Do it again, Lord. And again, in the aftermath of God's presence, of every renewal, awakening, revival, it's always what? Rejoicing. Dreams coming true. Rejoicing. Shouts of joy. Some of us, few of you may want to join us are trying to melt our cynicism about our great revival sending God one minute a day on our knees at 856 in memory and in faith of Psalm 85 6 so every night at 856 my alarm goes off not every night am I faithful but most nights it's time to hit my knees it's for 60 seconds ask God to melt my cynical heart and I say do it again Lord won't you revive us again that your people may rejoice in you so some of you may want to learn to melt your cynical heart and pray big God-sized, God-honoring prayers one minute a day. That may be a great place to start. You with me, Randy? Amen. And did you know that God is always, always, always on His throne? You know that He's always moving this somewhere? Did you know that God's not blind? God's not off track. He's always moving human history according to his appointed end. And I got this three or four sentence quote that really is encouraging to me to not be cynical and to be try to and fuel my faith. We're going to put it up here. Are we? Are I going to read it? There's laughter in the booth. It's good. I'll just read it. Tim, thumbs up, thumbs down. A thumbs up. It's coming. See? Way to go, team. They didn't get this till like five minutes before the service. This is on me. Thanks for bailing me out. If the Spirit of God did not periodically send revival, this world would be in extremely sad shape. 
Okay, it's, I think it's in extremely sad shape, but it would be even worse if God not historically had got us this far. It's alarming to see how the lessons learned by one generation are totally forgotten in another. But thanks be to God, He will not let His fallen children roam about in spiritual fatigue forever. No. Based on this marvelous record of intervention, there's always the hope and expectation that God will step into the present order of things no matter how bleak and adverse the circumstances seem to be. Thus, all believers should have a deep expectation and a firm belief in the possibility of revival for our day. Friends of God, we need to look back. We need to look back and have our faith refreshed. And when our faith is refreshed, we need to beg God to do what we cannot do. Things are so crazy We cannot fix them, Lord. Lord, fix them. Right? That's what the people of God do. We learn to pray big prayers. And then third, the third faith move. After we've paused and looked back. After we've prayed and are looking up. Is that all we do? Just sit around and pray? We pray. If you're prayerless, begin to pray. Is that all we do? No. Third and final faith move is that we plant Persevere and look forward. Verses 5 and 6 use this farming analogy. He goes from this rain in the desert picture to this hardworking farmer analogy. Look at verse 5 and 6. It says, those who sow, that's the planting of a seed. And when we say plant, I'm talking about planting gospel seeds. Those who plant gospel seeds in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping Bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So we plant and we look forward. What are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to look at the promise in these last two verses. Those who are plant are going to reap a fruitful harvest. And that harvest is going to bring shouts of joy. That phrase shouts of joy is, the, by my reading, the only phrase that's repeated three times in this six verse psalm. As we move towards God. God always will work. Sometimes all of a sudden in verse 4 and sometimes slow and steady in in verse 5 and 6. But regardless of whether God chooses to be, and it's His prerogative, whether to do it all of a sudden or slow and steady, guess what? The end's the same. The people of God end shouting with joy. And so this is a picture of hard-working farmer. It's a picture of everyday discipleship. That's what this church is built on. We need to be a praying people and we need to be a planting and persevering people because faithful discipleship is a lot like farming, right? Discipleship is a long and arduous season like farming at times when the weather is bad and the soil is hard and it's so easy to want to give up. So easy for me to get discouraged. Oh, God, what are you doing? What's happening in my DNA? What's happening in my MC? What's happening with my kids? What's happening in my home? What's happening at work? What's happening at play, at school? God, why don't we see more? Why does this person have been praying about to you for decades still rebellious against you? So Easy to give up. But look at the promise. In verse 4, the Spirit of God 
The heavens are open and the Spirit is poured out like a flood. And in verse 5 and 6, there's no flood. But the promise of that God's plan is going to come true and that He's going to use your hard labor is true. And in verse 5 and 6, what He's saying is, even if there's no flood that you can see, even if the only water available to water the seeds of your faithful discipleship or from your broken heart and the water available is your tears. God says, I'm in those tears and that's enough and you will surely win. You will surely be used of me to be a blessing in your chosen mission field that I've sent you on. That's the promise. That's why we... Need to plant and look forward. We plant because we plant a seed. We don't see immediate fruit like we did in verse 4. God does it both ways. But most days he does it like 5 and 6. It's like farming, right? We plant. We water. And we wait. We plant and we water and we wait. And we wait and we wait. And we pray for God to bless those seeds. We plant it some more. We nurture it. But it is sure we shall come home with a full harvest. You, The will of God for your life will be done. And God just says, plant and persevere and look forward to the future day of reaping when it gets hard. Farming and discipleship are both faith building, aren't they? Yeah, God knows what he's doing. And so a word for you this morning is in the midst of any potential discouragement... Galatians says, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Some of you may be here today have already given up. And it's time to just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me get back in the game. But look at that word due season. In due season. We pray for revival to break out all of a sudden. But we also do the everyday work of everyday Christian living and discipleship. And we don't get to see the fruit that day or sometimes that month or that year. But hear this. God's saying you will see every single piece of fruit that all your labors have borne in due season. That's why it's faith. We, we have to be people of faith because often we're not people of sight. Don't give up. So in conclusion, I just want to ask you this question. Which of these three do you sense the Spirit is inviting you to press into this week? Which one of these is most relevant to your life? Do you need to spend time this week pausing and looking back? Do you need to spend time praying and looking up? Or do you need to spend time planting and persevering and not giving up? Friends, in this crazy season, this psalm has helped me more than any other psalm just to locate God. Our God is perched on the throne of heaven, and we pray big prayers because he can change and reverse our fortunes and circumstances today if he so chooses. And we need to ask him to do that. And until he does that, we also need to allow him the freedom and grace to be the perfect God that he is and to do it slow and steady. But hear this. Whether through revival or everyday discipleship, God will surely work. He will bring his kingdom to bear. He's going to come back on this earth and wipe away every tear and bring the full reward for every ounce of labor you've ever given. 
because he's rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's pray. God, you're good. You're so good to us. You're so crazy good to us. Lord, do for us what you did for the people of God. We need you to send revival. We need you to send this sevenfold fast-forward magnification of the Holy Spirit. We need it in Paragol and Jonesboro and Arkansas, the United States. We need you to come fix us and fix the problems of our culture and our cities. We need you to pour out your spirit and fill us with supernatural agape love that we can feel loved. Oh, Lord, won't you revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. Teach us to pray big God-worthy prayers and not give up. And oh God, you're, all, you're located in the heavens, but you're all located in us. We're the farmers. We're the everyday disciple makers, the everyday witnesses. You're in us. You're in our tears. Oh God, pour out fresh faith for daily discipleship. Help us not grow weary in doing good. For those who stop doing good and are doing bad, Lord, help them repent and turn around today. And Father, for any here, when I ask them to look back at God's track record in their life, realize perhaps or doubt whether they've ever been truly born again and forgiven and they've never really felt the perfect love of a perfect dad. Oh God, may today be their day of salvation. Prompt them to come find a leader, a friend, a pastor. Come tell them about the good news of Jesus who's willing to love them and today forgive them of everything they've ever done and today forgive and fill them with your Holy Spirit do it Lord